Welcome to the Healing Ninjas Podcast, a space dedicated to highlighting the healing stories of everyday people. This podcast is not a replacement for professional support. This podcast may contain content that may be graphic, violent, or traumatic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. The goal of sharing these stories is to help you, the listener, hear how people have struggled in various ways and the steps they have taken to become healing ninjas, individuals who are seeking to master the art of healing. Healing is not a linear process. We all have our ups and downs. This podcast aims to create a brave space for people to share and learn from one another. I'm your host, Hernan Carvente Martinez. Welcome to the Healing Ninjas community. again with episode 14 of the Healing Ninjas podcast. And today I am joined by a dear friend, uh, Ray Thibault. And I'm really just excited to offer a space for Ray to share his own journey of healing and also some really dope tools. Uh, Ray and I have had a lot of conversations um, and lead up to this episode. And we want to make sure that he has ample space and time to share some of that. And so, Ray, thank you so much for being willing to come on the show and just, you know, just share your your brilliance. Um, really thankful for you. Well, th- thank you so much, Hernan. And, and I, I just want to take a moment to applaud your brilliance for coming up with Healing Ninjas. Um, I think I think there's a I'll talk more about this, but there's a huge need for spaces for people in general, men in particular, uh, men of color, even more so to be able to share their healing journeys or hear stories of other people's healing journeys and know that healing is a possibility. So I just want to take a minute to tip my hat to you, sir. Thank you. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. But, you know, part of the goal here is to have those narratives and those stories be shared. And so I really just want to kind of give you the floor from the jump as in previous episodes, y'all. I want Ray, I want you to share what healing looks like for you, right? Why is healing important? Um, And really just why healing then just, you know, was a platform where you thought it would be good to share some stuff. Well, thank you. Um, yeah, I think starting, okay, with the question of why healing is important to me, I don't think it always was. I don't think that I knew that there was anything wrong uh, at different points in my life, or I knew things were wrong and I didn't know what. And um, an analogy I like to use is growing up, we didn't have a lot of money. So what I would, so we, I basically grew up eating a bunch of sugar and cheap carbs and oodles of noodles and just whatever I could afford on the dollar or two I had to, to eat with. Um, and often it was me and my family, you know, my brother and sister. Uh, so there was a lot of candy. There was a lot of um, processed, cheap processed foods. And my whole life, I felt like complete garbage. I mean, I just felt like crap all the time. Low energy, um, mental fog, just a lot of confusion. Mm. And then I changed my diet. And I changed my diet to one that was mildly healthier. Uh, At least it consisted of real food. Mm. And what I realized was I felt so much better. And then I would go back to eating, you know, binging on sugar and stuff. Even mm-hmm. to this day, I would binge, I binge on sugar and I can feel the difference. Here's the thing between eating horribly and eating healthy. I did not know that I always felt like crap. I just thought that's how people felt. 
Mm. And every once in a while, I would marvel at, you know, the people who had all this energy and could run around endlessly and seem to get everything quickly. Um, and I, I noticed that the, the difference in how I felt was based on how I ate and also exercise. But my point is, I think a lot of us can float through life feeling horrible and normalizing those horrible feelings mm -hmm. and not realizing that there's an alternative to that. We just assume that's how we're supposed to feel. And that was very much what 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 preceded my healing journey was always feeling bad. Um, I mentioned that I grew up in uh, in a household with two siblings and a father. My mother passed when I was very young. And one of the things I came to learn along my healing journey was the impact that losing my mother was so, what, had on me at such a young age. Mm. You often hear about therapists saying, so tell me about your mother. And it's kind of a big joke um, on TV. <laughs> but I, I, I have to say, losing my nurturing caregiver at such a young age did a couple of things for me. One, it made me the it made me the man of the house. My father had a drug addiction, so while he did provide a, a number of things, he was not the best financial provider. Um, he was he was often inve very invested in pursuing his own goals and and his own satisfaction. Mm. Uh, so he did not always do the things that you would expect from a parent in the house. And what that did, it, so I wound up being the unofficial head of household. And one thing I will say for those of, of, of the listeners who have had this experience, it is extremely unfair yeah. because often you are given all of the responsibility of an adult or much of the responsibility of an adult without the privileges um, that come along with that. And that was sort of what happened. I was still, I was still a child. But I was expected to monitor my brother and sister. And when there was no food in the house, I had to make choices um, to get a job or do things that were unhealthy or, or, you know, illegal to earn money literally for us to eat. Mm. And and where there was a bit of cognitive dissonance there was I was a very smart kid. I was a very I, I my, my parents invested a lot of time and energy early on in my education. So I had a lot of intelligence, a lot of analytical skills um, and I could read. You know, I've been I've been reading at 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 a college level since I was in fifth grade, which is the first time I set set foot in a school. Oh, in, a, wow. in a in a formal school, um, I was homeschooled up until that point. So I had all of these intellectual tools, uh, but there was there was this gap in my emotional development, uh, which basically pretty much got stunted because the other thing that happened when my mother passed, I shut my feelings down. I learned how to disconnect from my feelings. So I am an excellent person to have in a crisis. I can stay calm while everything is like, while there are legitimate emergencies going on. Uh, and that's, that's valuable in a crisis situation. And, you know, growing up, most of my life was a constant crisis situation, um, which should become chronic, but it's not because there's always, you know, some new thing that comes up that becomes more urgent than the last thing. And I'm very good at dealing with those situations. It's part of the reason why I've been successful at the work that I do, because I can put out fires like nobody's business and stay really calm in the middle of the burning building. Mm. Here's what I didn't learn. I didn't develop a lot of empathy because I disconnected so much from my own feelings. Um, I didn't learn how to to connect with others in, in functional, healthy, emotional ways. Uh, I learned that you stuff your feelings down, you get cold and you get analytical. And those were all things I was very good at. 
And 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 that that coupled with my circumstances la- led me to make a number of poor choices, which had some pretty severe consequences, which have taken years to to get get out of. Mm-hmm. Um, and I traveled through life this way, and you know, it it it. I wouldn't say it stunted me. I would say that I was in a lot of pain and discomfort and really didn't know it. And it had, and what I wound up doing as a result of those feelings or those, that, that disconnection with my feelings was replicating a lot of the same environments in my relationships. So both my, my personal romantic relationships and in my professional relationships, um, I mean, at the end of the day, we attract people who are attracted to us. Mm-hmm. And I think what my my personal struggles attracted were a number of people who f- wanted to control me, which is absolutely if anyone anyone who knows me will tell you the absolute worst thing anyone can do to get a to get a positive reaction out of me is try to control me. I just don't respond well to being controlled and told what to do. Mm-hmm. Um so I had, you know, I, w- I found myself in these relationships with people who were looking for someone who they felt they could control. And that didn't work out so well. And, and, and here was the thing, you know, I had a recent breakup. It was a really terrible breakup for me. It happened uh, right before my birthday last year. And it was after investing a lot of time and energy in a relationship. And, you know, the person who broke up with me said some pretty mean things and it was just hurtful because of what I had put into it, into the relationship. But they weren't wrong just because they hurt didn't mean they were entirely wrong. And I had to sit back and really take a good hard look at myself. And what I realized was I was a pretty miserable, hurt, angry person. I was in a I was in a work relationship that wasn't working for me. Um, The dynamic was just not the type of dynamic I needed to be in. Um, and I was in a personal relationship where things weren't working for me. And slowly those relationships dissolved or, you know, basically imploded. And what I was left looking at was, okay, it's time to get out there and, you know, hit the field and start looking. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for both personal, well, mostly personal relationships at that point. And what I noticed was I found myself dating the same person. Mm. For very brief periods of time, several times. And when I looked, I'm like, wait a minute, this is the same dynamic. And thankfully, you know, I was so fed up with that dynamic, I decided I'm not doing that. Mm-hmm. So I ended things. I was like, I'd honestly just rather be alone than deal than, than be back in that dynamic again. And by being alone, I learned something. I learned that if I was replicating these relationships and my work relationships were similar, I'd go from one job and then I'd get another one and that dynamic would be recreated. You know what they say? If you run into an a-hole once, it's probably that person. If you run into an a-hole several times in a day, well, you need to look in the mirror. Mm -hmm. And that's what I started doing. I started looking in the mirror and, and it's really interesting when you start to explore your mental health and your wellness, especially anything mental. Here's the reality. Most of our friends and family neither have the time, the mental space, nor the nor the tools, and I'll talk a little bit about that in a minute, um, to help us through our mental health journey. Mm-hmm. Most of our friends and family have their own stuff going on, probably their own mental struggles. And we live in such a fake world at this point that 
you know, when you get on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, everyone's living their best selves. And I know <laughs> I'm not saying anything original here about about this, but but I've recently been coming across a number of posters who are doing things like putting up their real their real profile picture, which is what they look like after, you know, getting their kids ready for school, trying to jump on an eight o'clock Zoom call um, in between showering and having soap on their ears. I mean, this is the kind of stuff people are doing now. They're like, yeah. this is what I really look like versus the Photoshop professional picture that I spent a thousand dollars on um, to put up here to, to look like my best self. No, this is my best self today. Mm. And in some and, and, and in a lot of ways, you know, it's really hard to even feel know who you can approach because everyone's quote unquote living their best life, but that's not who they are. But you have to assume that's who they are because that's the only image you see of them. So as someone I know who was going through some serious mental health issues and some financial problems and it just kind of screwed his life up and, you know, wanted to try to fix it. But he didn't really have anyone to talk to about it. Uh, you know, his child's mother wanted to know where's my money, which is a legitimate question when you're raising a child. Where's my money? Um, his investors wanted to know, where's my money? And, you know, what he said is, who do I share these things with? My personal friends are burnt out because they've got their own stuff going on. My, my, my child's mother doesn't want to hear this stuff um, because, you know, at the end of the day, she's trying to raise a baby. And, and you know, if I start talking to my investors or my or, or you know, and sharing that my struggles with them, they start wondering if I'm an investment risk. Mm. And I very much felt that way. You know, I have friends, I have, I have friends and associates and, you know, the ones who, you know, shout out to those folks who were able to listen to my ramblings and, and emotional drama. I appreciate it. <laughs> um, and, 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 you know, family as well. But I also realized it burns people out. Mm hmm. And what I decided to do at that point was seek a therapist. And I, I went into therapy with some real clear goals. And I know, especially for a lot of people out there who have had bad experiences with therapists or who have experienced the stigma associated with seeing a therapist, there is a lot of reason to be skeptical of therapists. I've been in the mental health field um, as well as HR for a long time. And what I've learned is there are some real bad therapists out there really horrible people like professionals who aren't professionals and are just in it for a check. Um, what I would say is even, even taking into account those bad professionals, cause you have those in every field. Yeah. I mean, there are bad dentists, there are bad doctors. Um, you need to really do your homework and not only find a therapist. Well, I, I'll just speak for myself. I wanted to find a therapist who would be, culturally competent enough to have discussions with me without minimizing me, um, and mm. without reducing what I was going through. Uh, I also wanted someone whose style fit my personality. I'm very, I, I mean, I've done, I've, I've done therapy. I've been, I've, I've watched therapy. I've, I've got a lot of friends who are therapists and associates. So I know what therapy can be and what it's supposed to look like. Um, so if I see, you know, for me, I needed, I needed something, someone who wasn't going to let me hijack the conversation mm -hmm. because I could easily do that. And I actually had that conversation with my therapist and said, you know, this is my personality. I'm aware of this, but I need help. But, you know, I have a feeling that if I'm not careful, I can easily start trying to take over the session and be the doctor. And I need a, I need help. So I need you. I need you to be able to, um, you know, feel comfortable pushing back on me and, and helping me stay on on target. But my goals were very clear. 
Um, I wanted to learn how to be more empathetic. I wanted to get in touch with all of those repressed feelings that I'd been hiding from for all those years. Um, I also wanted to, to, to learn to have more insight into my own behavior and, and the emotional source of that behavior versus just looking at it as a series of risk and reward and um, so on. And, and, and in those very practical ways, I needed to be more in touch with my emotional side um, and also learn how to manage my emotions because I grew up in environments where emotions legitimately made you vulnerable. It wasn't it made you feel vulnerable. You could be harmed. Uh, you were taking a risk, a, a physical and mental health risk by being by by expressing emotions that were not anger or, or aggression or, um, you know, something, something that makes you feel powerful or motivated fear, anger. Those were the emotions that, that, that it was okay to feel. And anger was seemed to be the only one that it was okay to express and occasionally Mm -hmm. happiness, but she even had to be guarded with that. Mm -hmm. So I, I needed to work with someone to help me feel safe, expressing my emotions in constructive ways and feeling those emotions in constructive, healthy ways and knowing what to do and how to process those emotions in real time. Um, and so I went to a therapist. Now here for me is what therapy represented. It was a place where I was paying someone for 50 minutes to listen to whatever I told them without judging me. Mm. That was their job. It's kind of like, you know, when you go to your uh, an attorney, their job is not to like you. Their job is to hear whatever you have to say mm-hmm. and help you construct a strategy to resolve the issue, whether they like you or not. So, so I needed a level of impartiality, you know, versus talking my family members here off for three hours <laughs> when they're trying to raise their kids or whatever. Right? That's just it's not fair. It's true. And 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 they're not getting paid a dime for that. I'm paying someone to shut up and listen to me and then give me constructive feedback. Mm. Um, no matter how bored they are or how upset or whatever, their job is to do that. The other thing I wanted to pay for was confidentiality. So, so as the person I mentioned earlier said, you know, when you share this stuff with people, you know, if you share it with a business partner, that business partner goes to another potential business partner and says, Hey, I don't know if I would mess with, uh, Tommy. Tommy's a little off. Uh, he was telling me some things that are going on in his life and I don't really know what to do or say about that, but I don't know if he's a good, if he's a healthy investment risk. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so I didn't want to go to my colleagues with this stuff. I didn't want to go to people who could use it against me later, um, even if they didn't mean to. Um, So I got a therapist and the therapist in in one year, my life has turned around. I feel better than I have ever. And I'm not saying I don't have bad days. I'm not saying that there aren't things I'm still working on. I'm saying in one year, I was able to make tremendous progress towards getting 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 myself to feeling more functional um, and, and addressing things that before seemed insurmountable, like my physical health. I was recently diagnosed with diabetes and, mm. you know, thankfully this happened after the therapist because I was, I just felt horrible for a whole bunch of years and, you know, did all kinds of stuff that didn't make sense. I mean, I fell asleep in an, in a very important meeting and woke up battle, b- battling, but I didn't realize that was because my blood sugar was low. And no matter how many times I went to the doctor, they all told me, we don't know what's wrong with you. I thought I was having heart attacks. It all turned out to be diabetes, mm. um, which, is now, which is now being treated. Um, but part of that was, was reconciling 
um, getting myself to a place emotionally where I could take action on things in, in a way that, that I hadn't been able to. Mm. Ray, thank you for sharing just so much about you, about your journey, and just the realness of it, right? As you're like talking through some of the, the, the experiences you've gone through, right? From losing your mother at a young age to your father who was also drug addicted, but also just you as a, as a child becoming head of household, right? And kind of like navigating through all of these crisis situations and, and feeling paralyzed at some point with your emotions and not being able to express them. I can relate on that on so many levels. And for people who are listening, right, they, they might wonder, well, you know, therapy is, is one modality of support and, and I'm down for it, man. Ray, you just broke it down. I think, you know, it, you made it so accessible, right? That like, yeah, like you're paying for someone to listen to you, right? Like they're not there to be your friend. They're there to actively be the person who just keeps it real with you about things that you're going through, right? Like this isn't something that sometimes we can do alone. And, but are there, as you're, as you're sharing some of this stuff, Ray, are there other resources that you have used or supports that you have used along the way aside from therapy right because at some point you did not actively see this as a as a challenge or something that you maybe needed to be connected to but were there other books other things that like you came across that were supportive to your process as you were engaging in it there were um i have been involved in a number of um informal talking groups so it was not it was not any anonymous group. Not that I have anything against them. I just I just had not participated in those. Um, mm. But similar groups where the idea was, you know, one group I was involved in, um, they've since dissolved to my knowledge. So mm. I won't mention their name on the air. But uh, one group, um, their their whole thing was, you can come in here and talk about anything, as long as it's directly related to your life. Mm. And it was it was it was just an informal community group where people would come together and they just talk. And so, for instance, you couldn't talk about the ball game last night unless you want you were going to connect it to something in your life. But, the, you know, the the what came out of that was the ability to express emotions. And I remember being in a room full of men um, who had been taught not to feel or express their emotions. Mm. And a woman started crying about something that made absolutely no sense to any man in the room. None of us got it. We didn't understand what she was breaking down. We were all kind of saying, it's going to be all right. That's not even real. We were being very logical. And another woman in the group got up and just put her arms around this lady when she was crying. And that was an aha moment for me. It was, oh, shoot, that's what you do when someone's feeling emotionally distraught. You mm. just show them you're there. Like, I don't have to fix this. I just need to be there for them. And it took, it's taken me many, many, many years to, to really incorporate that into my life. But um, it was, it was my, my first glimpse into a different way of handling emotional situations mm. um, and part of my healing. Other, another thing I would recommend highly is a book called The Grief Recovery Handbook. And uh, I believe, I, I don't think I've sent that to you, but I have it here. So I'll send it to you if you want to share it out with folks later. Yeah, for um, sure. But it was, it was given to me as a gift when my father died. And, you know, again, being kind of the unofficial head of household, I was the one who had to remain strong or chose to remain strong while everyone else was breaking down. All I really wanted to do was crawl up into the bed for a week and cry like a baby. 
and be sad. But I didn't, you know, things had to happen. He needed to be buried. Find, you know, decisions had to be made. And so, you know, I made myself present for those things. Um, but this person gave me this book and it, it, it's a, it's a process guide for how to deal with grief and it doesn't just deal with death. I mean, I was surprised to learn how many different opportunities for grief there are in our lives and feelings of loss that we never address and no one addresses them. So we just kind of keep them in this closet that needs to be cleaned out. But if you've ever had a dirty closet, you know, after 15 years of piling stuff in your closet, you don't even want to open it. You just kind of want to like throw stuff in and close it quick and hope that nothing falls on you and, That's a fact. and leave it for another day. So uh, the grief recovery handbook, um, there are a number of resources, but I think I think just finding someone objective that you can talk to or a group of people you can talk to. I like the idea of anonymous groups. So you don't have to worry about getting back to work or your partner or whoever. Um, and you get a chance to work through your stuff and just say stuff that you don't normally get to say and hear it. Therapy for me has been more of a mirror than anything else. And, you know, it you don't know what you look like until you until you look in the mirror. So, you know, here I, I'm thinking I'm putting on this polished professional face. And not feeling any of that inside, but, you know, putting on the facade and therapy kind of put this mirror in front of me and said, yeah, this is what you really look like. And I'm like, wow, I, re I need a severe makeover now. <laughs> yeah. And the therapist, truthfully, is like the person who's handing you the stuff and the how to's to do that makeover on your own. Yeah, um, exactly. I think that's the beauty of, of, of having kind of resources like this. And I really appreciate it. Your sort of distinction between, you know, group support or even anonymous groups and then having this other support that's very direct, that's very personal and that's very one-on-one, -on -one, right? Like one of the things that is, is becoming clear for our community here with Healing Ninjas and people who share their stories is that we need to have different layers of support for ourselves. And as we're building that, being intentional about who we're selecting, you know, doing that fact checking, like you said, we do have some really bad practitioners out there who are just in it for paychecks and then others who literally just they're they are so intentional and loving to our communities. And and Ray, one of the things that I also want to create uh, some time to for you to sort of share with folks and, and then off on is what kind of work are you doing now? Right. Because people are probably going to hear you and they're going to be like, man, like Ray seems to be really centered, has his, you know, has all this like sort of stuff figured out. And I, I, one of the things that I realized is that that might not always be the case, but it also applies to some of the things that we do in work. And so what kind of work are you doing now? How can people support you? And just like the realness of what it looks like for your day to day now uh, to sort of close us off. Uh, sure. So right now what I'm doing is human resource business partner. Um, so essentially my specialty areas are risk management, investigations, uh, training and human resource development. I dabble in other things, but those are my, those are my strongest areas. Um, I'm, I'm trained in, in human resources. I'm also trained in social service work. So I'm, I'm trained as an addiction counselor and a, and a human service provider, uh, under the family development program um, and so I offer trainings in those areas as well I focus on strength-based human resources mm. so you know I think HR is always thought of as the higher fire uh, document people and there's so much more to the field and what I try to do is look at humans as not just resources but as allies assets and partners in any business and think about ways to support 
the business goals while also maintaining the humanity in the human resources uh, field. And again, I am not the only person doing that, but I think that is not that is not often the first thing people who don't have to deal with human resources frequently think about. Um, so I do that as a consultant currently. Um, I'm mostly focused on training and investigations. Well, I guess training, investigations, and risk management. Um, mm. You know, we need to protect the company, or there are no human resources because <laughs> there's no one. There's no one working, right? If there's mm -hmm. no company, there's no work. Um, but but yeah, that's that's what I'm focused on these days. And I'm also working on getting a project off the off the ground to train. Um, people who want to be entrepreneurs, how to do so in in their jobs um, mm. and how to maximize the outcomes of their creativity and innovations at work. Because uh, not everybody's going to start a business. That's the reality. Not everyone's prepared to take that kind of responsibility on. But they can, they can be businesses, act like businesses, think like businesses, and do business at work in a way that's mutually beneficial to them and the company. Hmm. Is there a name for for this project or or the work that you're doing? Say say that again. Is there a specific name for the project itself? The the one where you're building folk up. Uh, the 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 one it, it it's basically um entrepreneurship at work. It's really building your business at in someone else's company is the is the main theme. Okay. The name of my company is Mind Frame Development Solutions. So it's you know like frame of mind, mind frame, mm -hmm. and development solutions. Currently, my website is under maintenance. I'm revamping the website, but I can give you my contact information if that's helpful. Yeah, for sure. If you have a LinkedIn, I'm sure people would love to connect with you. And for everyone listening, I will be sure to include Ray's email in the actual podcast description. But Ray, you know, are there any other sort of parting thoughts or things that you would want to share with Focus? One of the things y'all plug, you know, make sure to check him out because he just shared very authentically his own story. And is doing work in human resources, doing work in risk management, like the very things that he went through growing up, he has now done work around and is actively helping others. And and so, Ray, just kudos to you for for being such a beautiful, resilient, you know, man and human being and, and friend, truthfully. Thank you for what you do. And if people want to connect to you, you know, we'll be sure to share that information. But are there other thoughts for people who are like now just kind of digesting the ending of this and other things that you would want to leave them with to close us out. Yeah, I guess I guess what I would say is find someone to share your deepest darkest concerns with who you can trust. And and sometimes, you know, I'm I'm not a religious person, I'm very spiritual, but sometimes that's just talking to God. And some people might argue that's talking to yourself or, you know, that's talking to an imaginary friend or, you know, they may be more they may have a different sense of spirituality. Find, even if that's the only one you can connect with, have that conversation. You know, it could be in a dark closet by yourself, but just have that really difficult conversation about where you're at, how you're feeling, um, what you're looking for, how far you are from it. Uh, and, and, you know, the, the things that you don't talk to anyone else about. I mean, you know, they say we're as sick as our secrets. And this is a society that that encourages encourages us to keep anything that's not shiny a secret mm -hmm. at this point. Preach. And, you know. 
So talk about your dirt, like go somewhere and, and talk about all that stuff that you don't talk, talk to anyone about. It could be a person. It could be, you know, a spiritual advisor, uh, you, you know, God, your, yourself, whoever it is, um, write it down in a journal. But I think that's the first step is just getting honest with yourself about mm. who you are and what's going on because you can't really share it with anyone else until you're honest with yourself. I mean, I had to look at myself and say, you know, there's some things about you, Ray, that you, that I really like. Mm -hmm. There's some other stuff that needs to go. That's gross. <laughs> you need to get rid of that. Um, and you need to figure it out and it's not working for you. I'm, I'm a function over fashion person. Right mm. If it don't work, I don't really care how pretty it is. I, I have some of the ugliest stuff in my apartment and people say, well, why don't you just throw that out? Cause it works. It works better than anything I've found. That's shinier. It's lasted for 20 years. It's, mm. it's high quality. Um, and you know, uh, other things, you know, I just, it's like in myself, I look at it and it's like, yeah, that looks really pretty and shiny and everyone likes it, but it's not really working for you. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think getting honest about what you want to keep and what you need to get rid of or want to get rid of. And some of it is like, yeah, that I know that repel repulses everybody else. It works well for me. Yeah, I'm keeping it until I'm ready to get rid of it. Yeah. So, yeah, just find somewhere to have an honest conversation. Yeah, I heard it here, man. We need those honest conversations. And right. Thank you for being honest with us. Thank you for being honest with all our listeners. I really appreciate you, my brother, and, and just thank you for coming on the show. My pleasure, Hernan. Thanks you. for having me. Yes, I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast, and follow us at Healing Ninjas on all social media platforms. If you're interested in sharing your own story, we'd love to hear from you. Go to www.healingninjas.org and sign up to be featured. We look forward to sharing your journey next.